Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. It says, and he came out and proceeded, he is Jesus Christ, and proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives, or in other words, Garden of Gethsemane, and the disciples also followed him. When he arrived at the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently. And his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow. And said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Amen. Let's pray. God, as we have just sung, you are worthy of all our exaltation and our praise. God, you are our treasure. And because of you, because you're God who is alive, Lord, we don't have to fear. And we have hope in you. We thank you for that. Lord, as we go over your word today, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us. Reveal to us your will. Reveal to us revelation that comes from you, God. And I pray that you will stir our hearts to love you even more, God. So, Lord, have your way at this time. May your power be manifested. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In reflecting upon 2019, I've come to realize something about myself. And the thing that I come to realize about myself in 2019 is that any time that I face a challenge, any time that I faced a difficulty, any time that I was discouraged, I had some initial thoughts would come into my mind. And those initial thoughts during those you know, different situations was simply this. It's to run away or flee or to simply give up. To run away from the very thing that is causing a challenge in my life. To avoid or to flee the difficulty that I'm, I'm facing. Or to give up whatever it is that is discouraging me, right? To give up whatever it is that I'm doing that is causing a challenge in my life. I've shared, you know, a couple, a couple of months ago in a sermon with you guys that 2019 was quite a struggle for me, right? And I share with you that 2019 was quite a, quite a struggle because I questioned, I doubted, and I wrestled with my calling into ministry, Right? I contemplated if I should stop ministry and pursue something else. And the reason why I was contemplating that is because of different circumstances in my life was causing discouragement. But also when I looked at myself, I saw the inadequacies. I saw all my insecurities as a pastor. I felt and I saw in myself nothing but lack. And I want to make a note here. All right? I'm not sharing this again with you because I'm fishing for encouragement. Last time I shared with you guys, uh, you guys were so gracious. Some of you came up to me in person, encouraged me. You sent messages to me like, hey, you're doing a great job. You know, like, uh, don't think like that, right? So I'm not sharing this again, trying to fish for those messages, all right? But if if God's leading you to do it, I'm not going to say anything, all right? But you know, this struggle in 2019 also reminded me of something. It reminded me that I'm not my own. It reminded me that I belong to God who is the author and perfecter of my faith. 
And it also reminded me, if that's the fact, then maybe I should ask him of what he feels, of what he thinks, of what he desires, and what his will is for my life. If I'm going to be honest, church, personally, I wanted to drop ministry. If I'm going to be totally honest, I wanted to drop ministry and I wanted to pursue a different career like acting. Right? I'm not lying. I thought about it. (laughs) I had a lot of thoughts in my mind. Um, But I think God knew that was kind of out of my mind. I was going to probably fail miserably. So he kept me in ministry. Right? All joking aside, you know, that's how I really felt. I felt like, you know what, I want to drop ministry. I just want to drop it and do something else. But when I asked God what he desired, what he thought, what he felt, what his will for me was, in different forms and ways, he affirmed me that my calling in ministry was to remain the same. So I told God as I was hearing those messages, I told God, I said, God, if that's the case and that's your will for me, then you got to give me all the grace. You got to give me all the strength. You got to give me everything that I need in order for me to faithfully live this calling out. I want to ask you a question, church. Do we ask God, do we seek God for his will? And do we choose to submit to it? Or do we seek our own will And choose to submit to that instead. And this applies to every area of our lives. Whether it's our marital relationships, our families. Whether it's it's, it's regarding our relationships with our church members, our friends, or our co-workers, or others in our lives. Whether that's, you know, pertaining to our future. Or even the way that we, we are stewards of the finances that God has entrusted us with. In the areas of our life choices, life styles, and our life decisions? Do we seek the will of the Father and choose to submit to that? Or do we seek our own and choose to submit to that instead? You know, when looking at the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer, whichever you call it, right? Found in Matthew 6 and other gospel accounts, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. And a lot of times looking at this prayer, once again, I feel like we leave out an important part of that prayer. I believe that many times in our prayers, including my own, it looks something like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts. Lead us not, lead us not into temptation. Amen. Simply telling God, we address God. Provide for us our needs, forgive us of our sins, and protect us. Amen. But looking at this prayer, do you notice a verse missing? You might say, duh, it's 9-11. If you don't know how to count, there should be another number there, right? But do you know what verse 10 says? Because I believe a lot of times in our own prayer lives, again, we miss out verse 10. This is what verse 10 says. It says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. After addressing the Father, Jesus tells his disciples to pray, Your kingdom come and your will be done. And I also believe that Jesus is also commanding us and telling us as his disciples today to pray, Father, your will be done. One thing we know about Jesus' church is that Jesus was committed to fulfill and obey in doing the Father's will, no matter the cost. And we see that so clearly in our passage today. 
right? Jesus just had the last supper with his disciples and he's in the garden of Gethsemane. That's the setting of our passage today. And in our passage, Jesus is at one of his lowest, if not the lowest moments of his life here on earth. In Matthew's gospel, in the account of Matthew, of the same event, it's written this way. This is Jesus saying, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. In Mark's gospel, it says this, and he, Jesus, took with him Peter and James and John and began to be very distressed and troubled. And in verse 44 of our passage today, it says, And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat, became, his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. At this moment, Jesus is immensely distressed. He's immensely troubled that he feels like he's literally dying. He's in so much agony that as he's praying, it says that sweat is pouring down and it's hitting the floor like drops of blood. Some believe and some say that his sweat actually became blood. And Luke, being the author, right, being the one who's writing this this gospel, he's a doctor. He knows and he's familiar with this condition. That Jesus' body might have been so much stress, emotional stress and physical stress that his sweat started to become like blood. Why is Jesus so distressed? To give you a simplified version, Jesus is about to be betrayed by Judas. Jesus is about to be denied by Peter, one of his inner circle. Jesus is about to be mocked and he's about to be crucified. But what's troubling Jesus the most here is the abandonment that he's going to experience from the Father. You see, there was never a moment that Jesus was separated from the Father. There was never a moment that Jesus was forsaken by the Father. But the moment Jesus becomes sin for us, dies a sinner's death on that cross... So that you and I can be the righteousness of God in him. At that very moment, the father will turn his face away from his son, Jesus Christ. The father will forsake him. Maybe some of you parents, we're not going to fully relate to this experience. But one example I thought of is maybe the first day that you're dropping off your child at a daycare and after school or preschool, right? You drop them off and you're looking at your child. Your child's looking at you. And you're slowly walking away and your child's like, oh. And their tears are welling up in their eyes, right? And you see their lips quiver. And they're reaching out and they cry out for you. Like, no! Don't leave me! Right? I shouldn't be laughing, but that's, right? It's like, don't leave me! You, the parent who has the power and the ability to save them from that moment of distress, you know that you just have to let them be and you have to leave them. So what happens? You slowly turn your face away and you walk away. I'm pretty sure that moment was maybe difficult for some of you parents. Maybe some of you parents was like, no, that wasn't difficult for me at all. I wanted that, my child to go in that daycare center, right? But I can only imagine that child like, feeling a sense of abandonment. My parent is leaving me, right? My parent has turned their face away from me. This is a moment where I'm going to be separated from my parent. I don't know know when my parent is going to come back, if my parent is going to come back to get me and pick me up. 
See, Jesus here is feeling immensely distressed and troubled because soon again the Father will forsake him. The Father will turn his face away from him. So what does Jesus do? We read in our passage starting in verse 39. It says this, And he came out and proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. And he knelt down and he began to pray. In Matthew's account and Mark's account, it said that Jesus fell to the ground with his face to the ground and he prayed. And in verse 42, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. It says that this was Jesus' custom to go to the Mount of Olives, to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. I believe that Luke highlights or addresses this custom to highlight the regularity of Jesus' time that he spent with the Father in prayer. He's highlighting the moments that Jesus, how, how custom, how regular it was for him to go and spend time with his Father. So we see here Jesus goes to the Father and he prays. And according to verse 44, he prays quite passionately. It says fervently. Church, are you distressed? Are you going through trouble? Are you facing a trial in your life? Maybe you're facing a fork in the road at your, at, in, in the moment of your life right now. Can I encourage you? Go to the Father. Go to the Father and pray. And when you pray, pray passionately. When I say pray passionately, it doesn't mean that you have to get loud and scream. But pray with your whole heart. Cry out in desperation and call out to him. So Jesus goes to the Father and he prays. But what does Jesus pray? This is what Jesus prays. He says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Jesus was telling the Father that he did not want to fulfill the will of the Father in this way. You see, the word cup here refers to God's judgment and wrath. The separation from the Father. The punishment that was due to us sinners, the the, the death that we were to experience ourselves, Jesus took it upon himself. And he will experience the wrath and the judgment of the Father. So that those of us who put our faith in him can experience forgiveness, redemption, and have hope of eternal life. Church, don't get me wrong. Jesus wanted to obey the Father. He desired to obey the Father. He was committed to fulfilling the Father's will. But Jesus struggled with what the Father was asking of him. Therefore, Jesus was asking the Father, if there is a way to remove this cup, if there is another way, Father, for us to fulfill the will that you have called me to, let's do it that way. Church, I I think, I hope it's evident to you, I desire to serve God. I desire to live my life in a way that honors God and that glorifies Him. And to be honest, I don't need to be a pastor in order for me to serve God. I don't need to be in ministry for me to glorify God in my life. I can glorify God and serve God as an actor. Amen, church? Yeah, that's good that you didn't say amen, right? I can serve God as as a counselor. Right? You guys are evidence, you're proof that you don't have to be a pastor to serve God. 
You serve God in the education system as, as teachers, as, as those who, who are involved with teaching students. You're, you're, you're serving God in the medical and the mental health field. You're serving God as an engineer. You're serving God as a realtor. You're serving God as an accountant or as a finance person. You're serving God as a private business owner. You're serving God as a stay-at-home parent and etc. right? Whatever work you're doing, you're still serving God. So with this in mind, like I said in the beginning, I was ready to let go of ministry and pursue something else. Because again, I don't have to be a pastor to serve God. But I felt God telling me through different mediums, through people, through the word of God as I was reading, through prayer or through the Holy Spirit in prayer, I felt God telling me, this is the specific way. You in ministry is a specific way that I want you to fulfill the will that I've called you to. And if I'm going to be honest, church, it wasn't a relief. It wasn't a relief, but it was a reminder. It was a reminder of the high calling that he's placed in my life and the cross that I am to carry. Don't get me wrong, church. I don't hate ministry. I don't hate the position. I love it. I really do. And I'm thankful of the calling that God has entrusted me with. But at times, ministry can be very challenging. It can be very difficult. It can be very hard. But understanding that, hey, this is the will of the Father, and understanding the difficulty that I would have to face through, it was challenging for me. Church, let me be the first to say this. God's will doesn't always come to us easy. God's will doesn't always come to us easy. Sometimes what God calls us to do, his will in our lives, it's challenging. It's difficult. Sometimes what God wants us to do, let's be honest, we don't want to do. We don't want to do it. Because it's uncomfortable, it's hard, it, it, it leads us or it causes us to come out of our comfort zones, it's challenging. For example, forgiving someone that hurts you. Is that easy? It's not. That may be the Father's will, but hey, it's challenging. Loving your spouses in the way that Christ has loved you. We know that's what we're called to do. That, that may be the Father's will, but let's be honest, married people, that sometimes that's not as easy, amen? Smart. <laughs> Maybe loving others the way that Christ loves us. That's not always easy. Faithfully tithing, come on now. Giving to the Lord. Touching our pocketbooks. Is that what you call it? Pocketbooks? Wallet? I don't know. Dude. Money, okay? Just money, all right? God talking about money. Hey, man, that's a stretch. But that may be the Father's will. Faithfully tithing and giving. Keeping pure while we're dating. Maybe the Father's will, but that's challenging. Because we live in this sinful flesh. The pressure that we, you know, uh, experience and encounter. Not gossiping. That may be the Father's will, but dude, it's tempting not to not gossip, right? How about faithfully serving at the church? Maybe the Father's will. But if we're honest, sometimes that can be very tiring and difficult at times. Simply put, what the Father calls us to do may not always be simple and easy. And at this moment, Jesus is struggling with the fact that fulfilling the Father's will, he'll soon become sin for us. And he'll experience the judgment and the wrath of the Father. Separation from the Father. Because he knows that this is the way that sin is going to be paid for. 
And that forgiveness and redemption will be given to all those who put their faith in him. And Jesus is sharing with the Father of what he's feeling and what he's thinking. But he ends his prayer this way. He says, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is telling the Father, no matter how difficult, no matter how challenging, no matter how painful and hard your will is for me, may your will be done. Not my will, but yours. Jesus is in total submission to the Father and his will. No matter how challenging and difficult the Father's will may be, can we say, church, the way that Jesus said, yet not my will, but yours be done. As followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, because that's who we're called to be, we are called to have the same attitude. We're called to have the same commitment as Jesus did in saying, Father, not my will, but yours be done. No matter how challenging, no matter how difficult, how painful, no matter how tiring, uncomfortable, inconvenient it may be for me, we are called to submit to the Father and in his will and to his will the way that Christ did. Amen, church? You know, um, in the announcements, we talked about the will course that's, that's happening. And I asked Nancy if I can get permission to share this. When we met with Nancy, Nancy came the director of, of the will. And she shared with us, you know, something that God has been placing upon our heart to do for 2020. She said something that really like, I was like, whoa, it was convicting, but it was also encouraging and a blessing at the same time. She said that I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to do the well course because it's going to be challenging. It's going to require a lot of sacrifice, time, effort. She's married. She's got two kids. That's not easy. She said, I don't want to do it, but I know that this is what God wanted me to do. This is what I know God wants to do for the women at Rooftop. And she, submit, she submitted to that will. She obeyed to that will because it was easy, because it was simple. No. But she understood that that's what the Father was calling and leading her to do for 2020. If I'm going to be just quite frank with you, church, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's all about God. It really doesn't matter what we think and how we feel when it comes to the Father's will. What really matters is what God thinks, what he feels, what he desires, what his will is. That is what matters. What matters is that we submit, that we obey his will in our lives. For you see, our submission and our obedience to God, it reveals that we belong to him, number one. And number two, it reveals that we trust and we believe that God's will for us is good and perfect. Amen, church. It's trusting that God's will for us, whatever he's calling us to do, wherever he's, call, he's leading us to go, whatever it may be, we trust and we understand that God, your will is perfect and good. I may not fully agree. I may not fully understand. God, it looks so hard. It seems so impossible. But I'm going to submit to you because I belong to you. And number two, I'm going to submit because I trust that your will for me is good and it's perfect. Check out verse 43. 
This was an amazing reminder and encouragement this time around as I studied the passage. I read this gospel, I don't know how many times, but this time around, it was, it was amazing. As Jesus is praying to the Father in distress and trouble, and as he's submitting to the Father's will, check this out. Verse 43 says, now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Let me read that one more time. An angel from heaven appeared to him, to Jesus Christ, strengthening him. It says that the angel of heaven appeared to him and it strengthened Jesus during this time of distress and trouble. This teaches me two things. One, it teaches me that God may not change my troubling and my distressful circumstances. God may not change it. But God will definitely strengthen me and comfort me when I call out to him in moments when I'm in distress and trouble. You guys already know the story. The father did not remove the cup. Jesus had to drink it. One, God may not change our circumstances. God may not take us out of our troubling situations in life. But God will strengthen us and he will comfort us during those moments when we reach out to him. Number two, it teaches me that God will empower us and God will enable us to fulfill and to do the will of the Father in our lives when we call out to him and when we depend upon him. Simply put, God's going to empower you. God's going to enable me and you to do what he's calling us to do. Amen, church? See, God is never asking us to do what he wants us to do apart from his strength and his grace in our lives. You read in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 5. He's, he tells apostle, was it chapter 12? Something like that, right? It says this. The, in the Bible, it says this, right? God says that his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. And then he says that in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. Acts 1.8. God sends the Holy Spirit. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power and you will be my witnesses. God sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in us to do what? To empower us and to enable us to live as witnesses of Jesus Christ by living out and fulfilling the will of the Father in our lives. Check out Isaiah 40, 29 to 31. Let me read it for you. He says, he gives strength to the weary. God gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks or, or her who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord, those who hope in the Lord, will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Church, God never asks us and God never wants us to rely upon our own strength, on our own understanding, in our own wisdom when it comes to submitting to his will in our lives. He wants us to rely upon the Father. He wants us to rely upon Him in the way that Jesus did. Amen, church. You know, one thing that I ask the team leaders to do is, hey, you know, have your team members pray. Whatever day that they're serving, whether it's on Sundays, whether it's on another day, whatever day they're serving, have them pray. And I don't ask them to do that because it's the Christian thing to do. Because it's the right thing to do. I ask them to do that because I believe that I believe prayer reminds us of why we do what we do, who we do it for, and three, how we do what we do. 
Why do we do what we do? Because our vision is what? We want to make an impact for the glory of God and his kingdom. I don't know about you, but anyone who comes through the doors of rooftop, us being an imperfect church, we struggle in so many ways. We're so weak in so many areas of our ministry and church, but we still have this vision and this calling to make an impact where people come in, they encounter the love of Christ, they encounter the goodness of God and the grace of Jesus Christ. They encounter the power of the Holy Spirit. We want that to happen. We want lives to be impacted. That's why, what we, that's why we do what we do. Who do we do it for? We do it all for God. All for his glory. All for his pleasure. All for his kingdom. That's who we do it for. How do we do what we do? We can only do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. We can only do it by his wisdom and by the grace that he gives us. Only by his strength. That's the only way that you and I can fulfill the will of the Father Father in our lives. And prayer reminds us again of why we do what we do, who we do it for, and how we accomplish what we do. With that, I want to note, let's not try to serve our God without prayer, without relying upon Him. God will empower us. God will strengthen us when we go to Him and we rely upon Him. So the question I want to ask you today, church, is this. What is the Father's will for you in your life? What is God calling you to do? What is God saying in all those different areas of your life? What is God saying about your family? Your role as a husband and a wife, what is God calling you to do? Is it forgiveness? Is it sacrifice? Is it surrender? Is God calling you to love one another in the way that Christ loves you? What is God saying? In your role as a husband or wife, what is God saying in your role as a parent? How is God leading you to be an example to the young children that you're raising? What is God saying in there? What is God saying in your relationships? Again, dating, friendships, church members, whatever may be others in your life. What is God saying? What is God saying about your finances? How we're being stewards of what he's entrusted us with. What is God saying about our place and our involvement in the church? Is he calling us to go to church? Is he calling us to remain faithful as we serve? What is he calling us to do? What is he saying in your life circumstances, the trouble that you're going through? What is God saying? And what is God saying about your relationship with him? Is God beckoning you to come close to him? Is God saying, hey, let's come back to that place when you and I, we were intimate. What is the father's will for you? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And if we're not too sure what it may be, we don't, we're not too sure what God wants us to do, let me encourage you with this word. This is from the message translation. In James 1.5, it says, If you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help and won't be condescended to when you ask for it. Just ask. Spend time. Seek him. Father, what's your will? I want to be like Jesus to say, I'm ready and I want to submit to whatever it is that you're calling me to do. Again, I say this, what God and what what the Father is asking us to do, his will in our lives may be challenging, it may be difficult. But if you and I are willing to say like Jesus did, yet not my will but yours be done, 
and submission to the Father, and again, trusting in the goodness and the perfection of his will in our lives, he will strengthen us and he will empower us to fulfill and to do the will of the Father in our lives. Do you believe that, church? Amen. Let me close, and I have the worship team up here. Um, Let me close with uh, just a word of exhortation today. I like what one commentator uh, wrote. This is what he wrote. He said, battles are won or lost in the spiritual battles, are won or lost on the field of prayer. It's awesome, right? We know that. But he finishes the quote this way. But even prayer can be a battle. As Christians, we understand and we know that we win our spiritual battles in, through, and with prayer. But if you've been a Christian long enough, we also know and understand that sometimes prayer itself is a battle. Do you guys agree? Sometimes prayer itself is hard. You you and I, we will face challenges, we will face difficulties, we will face pain, grief in our lives where it comes to a point of paralysis. What do I mean by that? Meaning we're so overwhelmed by life's circumstances that even prayer seems to be disheartening. That prayer seems to even be hopeless. See, this is exactly what happened to the disciples. In verse 45, it says, When he rose, when Jesus rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. Check this out. Found them sleeping from what? Sorrow. The disciples didn't fall asleep because they were insensitive. The disciples didn't fall asleep because they were lazy. The disciples didn't fall asleep because they didn't want to be there for Jesus. The disciples fell asleep because they were so overwhelmed by sorrow. It was hard for them. It was challenging for them. At this moment, prayer became a battle. Because of what is to come. They were so overwhelmed. I've experienced this myself. Maybe some of you have experienced it in your life where you were so overwhelmed. You know the right thing to do was to pray, to see God. But you felt so overwhelmed that you couldn't. And it was hard and challenging. You're not going to like what I'm going to say next. But to this. Jesus says this. Oh, sorry. He says, why are you sleeping? I don't think he's angry here. I don't think he's frustrated. He knows what's going on. But he encourages them, get up and pray. Not because that's the right thing to do, it's a Christian thing to do, but he says, get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Jesus is encouraging them, hey, Do what I just did right now. I was wrestling with the Father. I was overwhelmed. I was troubled. I was distressed. I can do nothing but go to the Father in prayer and just to share with Him everything that's going on. What Jesus is saying here is this, church. In order for us to break out of this paralysis, in order for us to break out of maybe the slump that we're in, He's saying we have to go to the Father. We have to go to the Father, no matter how difficult, how stressful, how challenging it is. Jesus saying, I know it. Trust me. Man, I was sweating like crazy, wrestling and praying with the Father. 
But he says, in order for us to get out of this is when we go to the Father and we pray. And then when we do that in him, we will find the strength. You see, the temptation may be for us to stop praying. For us to stop seeking God for help. The temptation may be for us to, be, to, to give into the you know, fatalist mentality of saying, you know what, there's no hope, there's no point. The temptation may be for us to give up whatever it is God is calling us to do, even if that means for us to come to Him and to pray, to spend time with Him. And when we face these temptations, church, Jesus is exhorting us to do exactly what He did in the Garden of Gethsemane at the lowest point of His life, I believe, here on earth. He says, get up and pray. Find strength in the Father as we submit to him and say, yet not my will, but yours be done. It's telling Jesus, it's hard. This is difficult. It's challenging, but God, I don't want to give up. I'm not going to give in. Whatever you're calling me to do, whatever you're leading me to do, God, strengthen me. I'm looking to you. I'm yours, and I trust that you will for me. It's good, and it's perfect. You know what the awesome thing about Jesus' submission and obedience to the Father's will was, church? And I'll close with this. His submission and obedience to the Father's will brought about salvation, forgiveness, and redemption for all those who would believe. He made an impact. His submission and his obedience provided salvation, redemption, forgiveness for all of us and all those who have put their faith in Christ. I believe, church, that when you and I choose to submit to the Father's will and say, not my will, but yours be done, I believe not only will God be honored and that we will be edified, sanctified, right, made more like Christ, but I truly believe that our obedience and submission to the Father's will will make an impact in the lives of those around us, in our homes, our friends, our workplaces, our church. If we will submit to the Father's will and we trust Him in that, I believe we will make an impact in the way that Jesus Christ did. Amen, church? Can we close our eyes? What is the Father's will for you in your life? What is God saying in all these different areas of your life? Is God calling you to do something? Is God leading you somewhere in some areas? Or What is the Spirit saying? Maybe some of us, we know what the Father's will is, but it's challenging and it's hard and it's difficult. Maybe some of us in here tonight or, or yeah, today is what we're experiencing spiritual dryness, spiritual emptiness, the spiritual desert. What is the Father saying? What is the Spirit of God leading you to do?